This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Um, and now we go to some very disappointing statistics. The latest StatsCan survey of police reported hate crimes for 2016 shows a 3% jump from the year before overall due to increased targeting of specific groups, including the Jewish community, which was the most targeted group in 2016, accounting for 16% of all hate crimes. Uh, So last year, 2016, uh, 221 hate crimes against the Jewish community, and that's a pretty big increase from 178 the year before. Uh, The second most targeted group uh, are uh, black people and the hate crimes, the racially motivated hate crimes uh, were they were 15 percent of all crimes to 214. Uh, the good news, if you can call it that there, is that uh, hate crimes against the black community were down 4 percent from the year before uh, and hate crimes against uh, the Muslim community were down. Right now on the line, I have a dear craftsman who is the manager of communications and media relations for the Centro for Israel and Jewish Affairs and Marva Wisdom, the director of outreach and engagement for the Black Experience Project. Thank you and welcome. Hello. Thank you, Libby. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, well, um, first of all, uh, reaction to this, these numbers, uh, Adir, let's start with you. I mean, a reaction is that we're definitely alarmed by uh, by the increase in in uh, hate crime. Uh, the Jewish community uh, in Canada, unfortunately, continues to be the most frequently targeted community for hate crimes, both in absolute numbers uh, and per capita. Uh, the Jewish community right now is one percent of Canada's population, but are the victims of sixteen percent uh, of all hate crimes. Uh, last year. Uh, just you know, for scale, a hate crime was committed against a member of the Jewish community or a, or a Jewish community institution. An average of uh, uh, you know every 36 uh, every 36 hours, and we're very concerned to see uh, uh, an increase of 24 percent in one year of and, hate crimes targeting uh, Jews. And and why do you think that happened? I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to say. Uh, you know what motivates an individual to wake up in the morning. Uh, and decide that you know that they want to commit hate crime, uh, but what I can tell you is that there are a number of uh, recommendations that we at CJA have made to uh, the government in terms of you know what are the, what are the best ways uh, to combat uh, hate crime uh, in Canada. Uh, one of them, for example, is uh, improving data collection. So the collection and publication of hate crime and, and hate incident data uh, varies widely by uh, by police department in different regions. So not only you know, between the GTA and Montreal, the, you know, Montreal police, for example, they, they don't collect uh, uh, hate crime uh, information, but even, even uh, in neighboring jurisdictions. So, for example, the uh, Peel police in Toronto and York Region, uh, they have different methods of collecting information. So this has an impact on uh, our ability to actually measure uh, 
uh, hate crime information. Okay, uh, let's um, let's bring Marva in. Marva, what's your reaction to the statistics about the black community? Uh, the statistics, it's still very, very disappointing. Um, if 15% of all hate crimes are targeting um, the black community, it's challenging uh, for, you know, folks who have been around in the black community for quite some time, but even more so uh, for our young people and the hope for them that Canada is becoming much better in terms of being a a more inclusive society. Uh, There are pockets where there are uh, changes happening and and where the story is positive, but the 15% of all hate crimes is much too much. And as much as it's gone down by, um, I think, 11 or or 12 uh, incidents, the black community as a whole, for the most part, often vastly underreport crimes against them because of existing relationships with policing. That's and an interesting so, point. That really is. It, it, we, it, we often will not, um, more often than not, um, necessarily go to the police. And when I say we, I certainly would, but there are a broad cross-section of our community and even the, the most recent, our most recent uh, research uh, report um, speaks about that, the lack of trust. Um, and in the last two years, interestingly enough, there has been more reporting and more incidents around carding and, and conversations that are taking place uh, that has created even more friction as much as progress is being made despite the friction and so that could account for why you don't see an increase because Avi is so correct. Uh, the reporting is an important component of having um, real proper data that one can work with and then come up with a solution. Um, I'd uh, like to throw it out there to our listeners. Uh, what do you uh, make of this, these numbers? Um, so we see an increase, hate crimes against Jews, a little decrease against in hate crimes against blacks, but it could be because of reporting. What do you make of that? If, if you're a member of either of those communities, do you feel targeted? Uh, are there certain instances where you feel unsafe, and why do you think this is happening? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm on the line with Marva Wisdom and Adir Craftman. And uh, you, you've been talking about reporting, Adir. But, you know, it's one thing to know what you're dealing with, but how does it help stop the actual incidents? So first, I have to say that, uh, that I completely agree with, with the previous comments. Trust with, uh, with you know, local uh, law enforcement is so critical um, when it comes to uh, reporting, both on the institutional level and on uh, uh, you know, on the individual level, uh, in our community, we have we have a, a, a national uh, community security program, where we work with Jewish institutions across the country uh, to help them, you know, establish security protocols uh, and educate them on how to respond to hate crime. Because a lot of times, people say, "Well, you know, it's just a it's just a swastika, you know, on my on my door or, or on my institution, and is that really something that I need to uh, report?" Uh, and it's important because if we don't know that hate crime is happening, then how do we, you know, it's hard to make the case of why, of why hate crimes uh, are, are an issue. 
Uh, and it doesn't matter the community. Obviously, we stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with the African-Canadian uh, community and, and any other vulnerable community in Canada. When it comes to uh, fighting hatred, it's the same. So, so improving the data collection is, is important because that, that way we can, you know, when we implement different methods of fighting hate crime, you can't measure your success if you don't know, uh, if you're not collecting good data. Uh, and that's why, you know, a comprehensive uh, uh, method uh, for police uh, departments to, to collect that is so critical. Uh, but also, it's, imp it's important to enforce existing laws. Uh, we've previously lobbied uh, the government uh, for uh, a bill that protects community institutions uh, beyond just religious institutions. So there's, there are different uh, criminal code components that get uh, invoked when somebody attacks a religious institution like a church or a synagogue or a mosque. Uh, and we believe that it, that same hatred component is no different than if somebody were to attack a community uh, Jewish community center or uh, a, you know uh, an education or, or cultural institution uh, of a minority. And so we're very pleased that the government has implemented that. Okay. It's, it's it's so important that we have these hate crime laws, but they actually need to be enforced. Uh, Marva, do you think that any of this is the result of uh, there seems to be a real atmosphere of polarization, um, especially in the United States, but we watch it all on television. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've seen white supremacists come out of the woodwork and march. And um, uh, is, you know, how do you see that playing into the situation? I think it has a... It has, uh, unfortunately, it's a huge factor in in how emboldened um, uh, people have become, and they feel that they have. Uh, I'm going to say uh, they have like-minded individuals who who feel the same way that they do, and of course, the narrative that I am being harmed and I am being hurt by others, and therefore, it gives me the right to uh, to then um, behave in a, in a hateful way. Uh, whether tangible or in words. And now that we have things like uh, Twitter and Facebook, and even today, sadly, again, when the president, president of the United States, the most powerful country in the entire world, retweets a tweet from a hateful group, not only that, but with graphic images as well, uh, those kinds of things in some ways has almost normalized um, normalized hateful behavior. The resurgence of that is extremely painful for all our communities and dare talk about the communities standing together. I, I might even suggest, and I'm not suggest leading this march, but I might even suggest there might be a way for us to cooperate more closely together because I am I'm going to say as well that those who are spouting hate and are feeling, feel, feeling more emboldened, um, they are, are linking arms. And, and they are working together uh, through social media to make this happen. Uh, and Libby, if I might even, when I look at the Alberta statistics and see the decline, again, the issue of how it's reported and why, I look at a mayor that um, his narrative uh, around a, an inc his inclusive language and the type of leadership that he brings as someone from uh, the Muslim community that might be a contributing factor to uh, to the reduction in hate crimes reported in in Alberta. But until we have really good scientific data and until we have a, a proper baseline in how the reporting is is done, we won't know for sure. But in my mind, my hope is that when you have leadership that reflects the community and leadership that 
um, that shows an example of, of what uh, Canadian society ought to be. And uh, I think it will make a huge difference. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Donna in Toronto. Hi, Donna. Yeah, hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Not too bad. Thank you for taking my call again. Um, I just want to say, like, in regards to um, uh, how some Jewish people might feel uh, in, in today's Canada, um, I think that th- there is a lot of, of hate towards Jewish people, but it's more political and it's also related to israel it's almost like a sin if you speak about israel in a conversation in a positive manner it's like people just turn around don't want to even listen right what, well it's um, a lot of people say israel? that's just it's like speaking about france or about any other country when you speak about issues right it, it should be acceptable you, you should be able to discuss it you well, know, you, oh, you you can know. discuss it, uh, but um, that's sort of uh, that can be a proxy for anti-Semitism. Uh, it is. It is that, a proxy. That's the yes. Problem. Yes, Donna. Thanks for your call, um, uh, Adir. Um, how do you speak to that? I mean, in terms of hate crimes against the Jewish community, there's this uh, BDS movement. Uh, there's a, on the left is extremely anti-Israel, which a lot of people interpret as uh, being uh, the new anti-Semitism. I think it's important to to, uh, to begin by clarifying that criticism of, of the state of Israel or the government policies uh, in Israel are, are completely legitimate, just like criticism of any government, including the Canadian government, are, are, are legitimate. The problem uh, is with denying the right of the Jewish people to self-determination, uh, as equal peoples to, to any other people. So if, if you are in favor of uh, every, uh, you know, uh, ethnic community having the right to self-determination for everybody except for the Jewish community, then the, the, then it crosses the line into anti-Semitism. And what we've been seeing is that the boycott movement against Israel, the BDS movement, is, is heavily tainted with anti-Semitism because any, uh, any positive uh, uh, connection uh, that they identify uh, with Canadian institutions, whether it's universities, student unions, uh, you know, com- companies that have Israeli products, uh, they will go after them, not because of any particular policy in Israel, uh, but because they're against uh, the right uh, of Israel to exist uh, at all. And that's when the, the challenge uh, well, comes with anti-Semitism. I've, I've heard of universities barring uh, people, barring academics, because uh, they're Israeli. So, uh, uh, in, in Canada, we haven't... Uh, we haven't seen any university uh, take uh, any position that, that supports boycotting Israel. In fact, we uh, facilitate uh, a university president uh, to visit Israel and sign memorandums of agreement uh, with Israeli universities. Uh, we have university presidents who have come out strongly uh, against boycotts of Israel. Uh, the, the issue with anti-Semitism uh, when it comes to campuses, there, there's the anti-Semitism from the far right. Uh, which is white supremacy. Uh, that is the same hatred that you see against other minorities, uh, you know, the black community on campus. And then you have that uh, the, the extreme left uh, anti-Semitism, which is in the form of, of BDS and, uh, and similar activities. Um, and, and Marva, do you see a, a dimension, uh, a similar dimension in um, hate crimes against the black communities? I don't see that kind of dimension uh, with the black community. It's it really is across the board. 
And it makes it even more challenging because there's an intersectionality of identity um, among the black community. Within the black community, you have, uh, you know, Jewish people, you have Muslims. And so they are then targeted in a, in a different kind of way. The, the, it's a smaller percentage of, um, of, of uh, black Jews in Canada. Uh, the main, uh, I, I would say the majority would be from, from Ethiopia. Uh, certainly there's a larger percentage, and I think about the Somali community, uh, of black um, Muslims in Canada, and they have the, the huge issue of, number one, Muslim, number two, in some cases, being looked at as potential terrorists, and number three, the skin color. Uh, so there's a complexity and, and layers um, within the black community, and sexual orientation is another layer as well that layers on in all communities. And so uh, these are complexities that we have to find a way to, to deal with. The, the white supremacists, um, it, it doesn't matter to them. They, they feel they have an overall language of anyone we feel who are oppressing us or we feel we're better than or anyone who is um, we want to make sure that this country is ours and it looks like us and that it behaves like us and, and, that, and that ends up targeting uh, certainly the Jewish community, the black community and anyone else that's other. Well, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point that you make about uh, different layers of identity that uh, can cause problems. Um, Adir, uh, do you see that? I mean, is there a particular problem, you know, yeah, for I mean, Jews or a gay or something like that? There there are... Uh, there, I've, I used to work on uh, university campuses for uh, for the Center for Jewish Life on campus for Hillel, Ontario, so I had the opportunity to visit uh, campuses across the province. And I remember meeting with, uh, with uh, Jewish students who were Jews of color and uh, you know, going back to, to the intersectionality uh, uh, comment, they, you know, they, they often wanted to be involved in social justice movements, and they often wanted to, you know, sometimes they would, they would want to tackle anti-Semitism uh, on campus or in society in general. Other times they would want to fight against anti-black racism. Uh, but they, I remember they had a hard time finding uh, movements on campus or groups on campus that are fighting the same uh, oppression at the same time. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, they so w- it, sometimes they have to pick and choose, and, and they, you know, they, they see both, both parts of their identity as important. Uh, and it's, it's challenging for them, especially you know, young people on campus that are figuring out how, how all those little parts of their identity come together to, to form their, uh, who they are. And, uh, and I always encourage them to get involved more in you know, social justice movements, that fight the oppression of all communities, and while still being proud of their Jewish of their Jewish identity or their connection to Israel, to say, yeah, you know, I support Israel. I'm a Jew. I'm part of the Jewish community, but I also stand with you in solidarity against all oppression. You know, mm-hmm. uh, whether you know systemic oppression against minorities or hate crimes uh, in Canada, which we unfortunately see a, a spike in. And and Marva, um, is there any difference in uh, crimes against, uh, say? Uh, people of color from the Caribbean or from Africa, is there any kind of difference there or not? No, we don't see any difference there. People don't usually know the identity um, of either. With the black community, 
um, the Jewish community has is is much more established in terms of its institutions, and especially around its advocacy. It's a new thing, I think, to the Black community to come together in this kind of way. I think we, uh, where the Jewish community has an anchor, and I think that's a, the, the wonderful thing about having the anchoring of Israel as a common homeland and some of the, the those kind of common aspirations. The black community is, is, there's much more diversity within the community, and that makes it much more challenging um, to fight um, racism and some of the, the specifics of it. Uh, Folks are targeted much more at an individual level, um, and, uh, and and in some cases, the places of worship. Uh, here in Guelph, where I live, uh, someone spray painted on the top, on the roof of a church. Uh, they have spray painted mosques, and they have done this similarly um, with, you know, a synagogue or a garage door. And so it, it's not too often where it is the building itself that is targeted uh, more often than not with the black community it's the individual or if they're they're gathered together it's them that are targeted and that makes it even more difficult to report it to the police okay uh let's take a call from bill in toronto hi bill hello you're on the air go ahead Uh, out in london there was a muslim woman that attacked another muslim woman and it was a hate crime until they discovered the woman that was attacking was a muslim so i mean does that counter into this like who's doing the attacking or is it just you know well i guess it's it it's about the motivation i'm going to let uh our guests respond to that uh very quickly because we're almost out of time um adir i mean I'm, i'm not sure about that particular incident to be sure, but I, uh, the the identity of the uh, of the person perpetrating the hate crime sometimes gets collected, and it goes back to my previous point about how it's important for the government to establish comprehensive data method, data collection methods, okay. uh, so that these uh, so we so we can get good data because otherwise, like you said, sometimes uh, there are, there are uh, crimes that occur. And people, uh, it seems that they are that they are hate crimes, but but they're not. But also, hate crimes are are based on motivation more so than the identity of the person perpetrating the crime. Okay, um, we have thirty seconds. So, Marva, what what would you like to leave us with? Um, what I would like to leave you with is that there is a hopefulness, and I'm hoping that these kinds of conversations that they continue, and through these conversations, we can actually come together and address some of the policies that may need to be strengthened or policies that may need to be developed so that uh, we can have a more robust way of fighting these increases in hate crimes. Okay, thank you both uh, very much. That is Marva Wisdom and Adir Craftman. Thank you so much. And that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today, and we now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.